This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Rachna Shah, who is a physician, mother of two, all-around very interesting person. People who have watched my Tranquility by Tuesday in Real Life videos will recognize her from the video on rule number six, one big adventure, one little adventure. And uh, she and her family have done an amazing job of coming up with cool things to do um, between their various camping adventures, trying out different places in the city. She'll sometimes just go to a different coffee shop and get a tea in the middle of the day, at, you know, explore different parks. So very cool video. If you haven't gotten a chance to see it, I really enjoyed getting to hang out with her while we were filming it and experiencing the the joy of of parallel parking all over the place as we were filming it. We were filming in an urban location, which we will talk about later. But yeah, it's, uh, Sarah, are you doing big and little adventures these days? Are you following rule number six? I'm not like tracking it to the letter, although I think it might be fun to do that. I do find myself rather intimidated by this rule. However, I do absolutely see its benefit. And I think for me, it helps to keep the bar low for both of them. Like this weekend, 
I'm taking Annabelle and Genevieve to the container store because Genevieve in particular is like dying to go to the container store and it is across town and it's going to be our adventure for the weekend. And a little adventure to me can be something as mundane as like going on Uber Eats and ordering lunch at somewhere I have not tried before because I do find that these little things are memorable. Like they make the day more interesting. There's something I probably am going to like write in my five-year journal that night. So they make the day a little bit notable. And if I tell myself I have to like go camping, which I never am going to want to do, I'm so sorry, Rachna, but just no, then I won't want to do anything. So I think that I have to just meet myself where I am with the adventures and set my bar low. It's all good. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the reality. We can't go, you know, sailing across the fjords like a Viking. I don't know, every weekend. It's not going to, not going to happen. Um, and sometimes we're in periods of life where we may want bigger adventures and some periods of life where we want maybe less adventures because life is kind of complicated enough. I know I personally have somewhat been feeling that way. Obviously, I enjoyed flying to Florida a few weeks ago to see Sarah. That was a big adventure. Uh, and I, I like doing stuff like that, but sometimes motivating the entire family to go on a day trip on a weekend, to, you know, when we've got lots of kids stuff going on anyway, is, is a little bit less exciting, especially when we've had, you know, not awesome weather <laughs> over the course of many, many months, hopefully coming out of this when this airs. But yeah, I mean, just having adventures, it's, it's about making life feel a little bit more memorable. And routines are great. Like, we love routines. And they make good choices automatic. But when too much sameness stacks up, then you wind up not being able to remember whole periods of life because it's like nothing different happened. Right? So the same each day is just like every other day. So if you can answer why this day is different from all other days or why this week is different from all other weeks, um, as we come into, not sure if Passover will have happened when this uh, airs yet or not, but that question, you know, why is tonight different from all other nights? We want to think about how we can ask that question of life in general, how time is different. And so Rachna has a great example of that, um, but many other things that we're going to talk about in this interview. So give it a listen. Well, Sarah and I are delighted to welcome Rachna Shah to the program. She is a friend of both of ours. We've both had the privilege of meeting her in person. So Rachna, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, your job and your family? Yes. Hi, uh, my name is Rachna. I am a pediatric endocrinologist, just like Sarah. I live in the Philadelphia area with my husband and two sons who are 11 and 13. So on a fun teen, teen phase of our parenting. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, new challenges, but you know, it's, it's kind of fun to be out of the little kid years too. And, you know, Sarah's talked some about her career journey too. How did you wind up in this line of work? I always found the endocrine system really satisfying to learn about um, their pathways and biomarkers. And I really have always enjoyed working with children and being able to affect health really early on in life. Because so it seemed like, yeah, I mean, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that, because you work a lot with you know, children with, with diabetes, but also like looking at issues of obesity more broadly, right? Yeah. So I guess three years ago now in 2020, I took on a role as the medical director of our weight management center at a major children's hospital. So I help our team. I help lead the team and work on 
finding protocols and treatment plans and really trying to facilitate working with this population. So the job involves a lot of administrative work, but there's also opportunities for clinical care and research. So it's kind of, uh, I feel like I get to do a little bit of everything. Because you've done a lot of research in your career as well. I mean, that's been part of your career journey, doing various forms of, of research along the way. Yeah. So, I mean, I've kind of evolved. Um, there was a time where I actually had a lab and was, was doing a lot of basic research, translational research, and kind of grew away from that into really wanting to focus on the clinical aspects. As much as I really enjoyed the kind of scientific challenge of working with cell cultures and animal models, I always find it more fascinating to work directly with our patients. And so I've morphed a bit into doing more clinical related research. That's awesome. Yeah. And in terms of like, what does your life wind up looking like day to day? Like on a, on a typical work day, then um, what would your schedule wind up looking like? So I have like five different types of work days, I think, depending on what I'm scheduled to do that day. I would say like 70% of the time I'm seeing patients in three different locations. And so those days are basically start at eight and around five and, you know, have a patient every 30 minutes or so with not a lot of break or time for really anything else. <laughs> and then, you know, about 30% of my work days are more of the administrative research days. And those days are also extremely variable. Um, I can be in my office or I can be at home. Um, and I sometimes have back-to-back -back meetings all day long, meeting with all the different members of my team and working on new initiatives, um, educational initiatives. But my favorite days are the ones where I have some time to actually work on some of the things that I've been talking about in these meetings and really start putting together the writing, um, the research applications, actually getting to focus and do deep work. Deep work. Deep work is always good when it happens. Yeah. And from what I understand, you are sometimes a morning exerciser as well. Are you uh, getting up early to do that some days? I am. I'm not as adamant about it as Sarah, but yes, I try to exercise, you know, four or five days a week. And, um, I do find that I'm much more likely to do it if I do it first thing. Um, I have been known to be in exercise clothes all day long and never get that workout in if it didn't happen before I took the kids to school. So these days I'm doing a mix of short runs with a friend early in the morning interspersed with there's a bar studio like less than a block away from my house. So I've been doing a lot of classes there as well, which I really enjoy. What time does that class have to be in order to make your morning work? So the bar says I can only do on my admin days because the earliest class they have is at 7.15. So I do 7.15 to 8, come home, take a shower, uh, get ready. And I'm like straight into 9 a.m. meetings. So, <laughs> yeah. And then at the end of the day, like what, what does that look like? 
you know, you get done with work. You you don't work that far from your house, from what I understand. Uh, and come home. How does that go? Yeah. So um, one of the things I love is that I have a walking commute most days. So I uh, walk home from work, often listening to a podcast. <laughs> and I, you know, we kind of get straight into dinner, usually. My kids are in activities mostly on the weekends right now. So we don't have a lot of running around after school and work, which I appreciate. <laughs> but we get started making dinner. My husband and I kind of trade off cooking. We eat. We often watch TV, to be honest. Um, we've been trying to rally to go for a walk after work, but it doesn't always happen. It depends on the weather. And I am quite honestly very tired in the evening. So I am around nine o'clock thinking about heading up to bed. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then we're going to learn more about the various things that Rachna does with her families. So I am back talking with Dr. Rachna Shaw about her life. You guys, so you talked about the walking commute. And your family has made a choice to stay urban, to um, really give this uh, city lifestyle a, a go. I mean, to the point of doubling down, you guys are doing a big home renovation project, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe you can talk about that. Like why, you know, many people kind of flee to the suburbs once their kids are six or seven or so. Why did, what led to your decision to stay? You know, it's funny because my husband and I both grew up in the South and in sprawling suburbia. Um, we moved to Philadelphia um, as part of my training and we're living in the city. And very soon after kind of settling in, we realized that we felt quite at home and felt really comfortable and energized by the urban life. <laughs> I hate driving. <laughs> so I really appreciate being able to work and pretty much everywhere. Um, for 10, over 10 years, we didn't have a car, including when our kids were little and going to daycare and activities. We did everything with our double stroller and the kids on scooters and our own two feet. So we have a car now, but we use it mostly to get out of the city trying to get our nature fixed by going on hikes and weekend camping trips. But we, you know, we really appreciate Philadelphia is very livable and walkable city. Everything is close by. So that part is great. And we have, you know, a community, we have friends, we, you know, a lot of people flee to the suburbs because of fears around public schools in the city. And we actually happen to be really lucky in that we have a wonderful neighborhood school with amazing teachers and leadership that our kids have really thrived at. So we really haven't seen the need to leave our, our neighborhood. And as Laura mentioned, 
we needed a little more room. <laughs> and so we looked into houses in the neighborhood and outside, including, you know, further out into the suburbs and really weren't happy with anything we found. So we kind of made the unusual decision <laughs> to completely renovate our city row house. We are adding a fourth floor for additional bedroom space. Since we're doing that and needing to you know, work on the foundation in the basement to support the additional floor, we had to move out and decided, well, if we're moving out anyways, we might as well make some upgrades to the kitchen and our rooms and basically everything. So we have undertaken a really huge project, which we're coming towards the end of. But we're really hoping to have space for our family to continue to grow and be comfortable in. Yeah. So you guys have been living in a rental now for about a year, right? That's a pretty, like it's about, yeah. yeah. How far? <laughs> I was, I was impressed. I was like, whoa, <laughs> they're, they're really serious about staying in, in the city with doing that. How's that been? Is it, you know, something of an adventure maybe? <laughs> Yeah, we wanted to stay close enough to um, the kids' school. So we are about half a mile away from our actual home. Living in a rental is interesting. Um, on the one hand, things break and we don't need to worry about paying for fixing them. On the other hand, nobody else really cares to fix them for you. So, for example, we lived without a washing machine for several months this fall until we could finally convince the owners to buy a new one. And so let's just say I'm happy to, I will be happy to be back in my own space. <laughs> yeah. Is that planned for a couple months in the next few months? Are you got a timeline for it at this point? Yeah. The plan is six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. And I'm curious, are you, you know, are you excited about your new kitchen? I mean, this is... <laughs> It wasn't your favorite thing to be picking out materials, was it? Yeah, you know, you never know how many uh, choices there are to make until I think you went through this too, Laura. Yep. I actually enjoyed some of the kitchen stuff. Like I like picking out cabinets and counters and tile. Not so excited about like, where do we put the light switches? And what kind of skirting do you want on your toilets? And you know, all the different hardware and, and minutia. <laughs> yeah, the less glamorous parts of the, of the renovation. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'm sure the boys are going to be excited to, I mean, because they're going to have their own bedrooms, right? Like that's a, a part of it. Yeah, they shared a room in our house. So this is going to be the first time that they have their own rooms. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, you know, the there are sort of the trade-offs with urban living and wonderful be able to have the city as your, your space, but then you don't always have as much space in your own place until you do a renovation like this. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the, the boys are obviously, you know, getting older. Um, what does any sort of like childcare or after school kind of thing, like, what does it look like at this point? I mean, cause you've sort of aged out of the point where they were, you know, in needing so much of the, of the care. So what does it wind up looking like? for people as their kids reach kind of those middle school years? Yeah, I mean, this is a tricky time, actually. Um, you know, my 13-year-old has aged out of a lot of after-school programs and even summer camps. A lot of the city recreational center camps, which is what we primarily used, go up to age 12. So 
we've had to look a bit more creatively at things for him to do during the summer. Of course, as they get older, the kids also have a lot more to say about these things. Currently, we're lucky in our after-school care in that my husband primarily works from home. And at the age that the kids are at, it's very doable for them to just be at home working on their homework or playing video games (laughs) while he finishes up the rest of his day. We do sometimes have to struggle on the half days or days off, but again, they mostly can entertain themselves uh, as long as there is plenty of food around. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want them sitting around all summer playing video games. So we have, we've identified some camp options and we've got, we've, Still had to, you know, kind of print out the months and look at the weeks and when we have vacation. And so that part hasn't really gotten much easier, the summer camp part. But after school care has been pretty much eliminated, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, that is tricky with that age because they can't really be by themselves all the time. And and even if it is sort of, you know, walkable around uh, the area, they needed some supervision. But yeah, so that's that's fortunate that. Your husband's mostly working at home at this point. But you guys do not stay at home. Longtime listeners may recall that Rachna did the video for Tranquility by Tuesday, rule number six on one big adventure and one little adventure. And you guys have been having a reasonable number of adventures. Tell us, during the pandemic, I think you you guys started camping. So let's talk about camping. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, turns out camping is a great pandemic vacation in that you really don't have to interact with anybody. (laughs) So we basically took off whatever weekends we could and went to local state parks um, and set up our tents. Um, It is a very affordable way to travel with kids. We bring all our own food and it leads to a lot less money being spent, but also a lot less complaining from picky kids when we can just have hamburgers and hot dogs every night. There's really nothing for them to complain about. <laughs> and it also just gave us an opportunity to get out of the city and connect in a different way. There's just kids being able to just run around, ride their bikes around by themselves throw sticks and poke in the mud and go in the lake and all of that just seemed to really help calm us all down um, after days on end of all being together and being stuck on a screen. So it was a really good kind of break during the pandemic. And we, we still do it. It's less frequent now because now we're back in, you know, weekend activities and other types of travel. Um, but, you know, I really appreciated that time. And, you know, we do plan to continue our camping adventures. <laughs> yeah. Now, wait, were you kind of like a veteran camper? Did you grow up going camping or this was totally new? Never. <laughs> this was no. never. Okay. Nope. Nope. Neither my nope. husband and I grew up camping. So we kind of learned as we went. <laughs> that first time pitching the tent. To- <laughs> that was, yeah, it's still something. <laughs> I know we've, we, we would practice in the living room. Uh, but yeah, I feel like we've learned a lot of skills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, our, our kids are learning some of these skills. So. 
also good. Also good. And do you have, uh, so let's see, okay, your, your hobbies here, you, you're camping, you're doing the boot camp class and you're, you're running, um, with a, a friend in the morning. Is there anything else you sort of do for fun in, in life? I love to read. <laughs> I probably read about a hundred books a year and mostly on my phone, on my Kindle app, because it's just so convenient. So, and I think Laura has mentioned, um, you know, having that book there that's ready to go uh, kind of surpasses any need to want to get on social media for me. So, uh, so I do a lot of reading. I am, my son and I are both taking piano lessons. I've always wanted to do it as a kid. So it's something I picked up just over the past year. And so I've been really enjoying that as well. And where do you make time for practicing then? Is that, do you both have like a practicing schedule or, or how does that work? Here and there, I'll admit I'm not that good at it, at remembering to practice. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes the, on a work from home day, I can take a break and knock out 15, 20 minutes of practice, which is just about as much as I can do. <laughs> yeah. And then definitely in that like after dinner time frame. Yeah. A hundred books a year is pretty impressive. So, I mean, that's... That's not just in those little bits of time, though, while you're, you know, you're like, oh, I could be on social media for 10 minutes or read a book. I feel like that must be like the thing you do before bed at night, too, then, right? Yes, I head up to bed at nine o'clock. And usually it's to spend some time with my most recent book. Yeah. I also try to carve out some time on weekends to really just sit and read. Yeah. Which you can do when the kids get older, right? I, I feel like this is, you know... <laughs> recently had this experience. So we we often send our, our three-year-old to a babysitter's house for a few hours now on Saturday. And it's like this experience of like, oh, this is what it's like to only have older kids. <laughs> like you can yeah. sit down and read a book. You know, you something I've realized, and it's, I never thought this would happen, but I have to ask the kids to spend time with me. Yes. <laughs> like complete opposite. Like I could have, I mean, they are very happy to be on their devices or in their room or with their friends. And so it is definitely a phase where we are actually trying to get them to come down and spend time with us or hang out with us as we're cooking dinner or, you know, even just like hang around on the weekends because they are in their own worlds and doing their own thing. So it's definitely not something I anticipated when they were like hanging on my <laughs> leg all day, every day. Yep. yep. Now it's weird. That switch that, that happens. It's like, Oh wait. Oh yeah. <laughs> At some point. They morning, because... My son wanted me to drop him off the block away from the school. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, we we had something like that the other day with uh, my my son. Well, it was more like don't bring the rest of uh, the kids into somewhere to pick him up and to not acknowledge that he had a, a other people. <laughs> no, no, the, no, but nobody else has parents either, right? Like uh, you know, <laughs> so funny. So I guess that's one of the reasons to to do things like camping, then, right? Because it's something that forces a wee bit of of family time. Yeah, I think we're we're realizing that. You know, we're planning in like weekend hikes and, and camping trips and things really for the kids to be off their screens and interacting with us. 
And you guys had, uh, when we talked about it doing the video, you were doing on occasion, I mean, I realize this doesn't happen every night or whatever, but some kind of evening adventures, like little adventures you could have with your family. And that's one of the things with, with Philadelphia, right? I mean, there's so much that is there. Yeah. I admit that with, you know, we are much better about this in the summer months. Um, and now that it's light out a little bit later, I think we need to start, we're going to start reinstituting just at least one night a week being not exactly the same as all the other nights. <laughs> and so I know in the past we tried things like going to a rock climbing gym, going to mini golf, bowling, you know, there's lots of ice skating, roller skating, things like that. So I think I wanted to put together like a spring summer fun list <laughs> um, with the kids adding some suggestions and then seeing how we can make those things happen. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Well, we always end, as you know, with a love of the week. So, you know, something that's been been good for, for you lately. I can go first. My thing that I am enjoying right now, and this is maybe this is gonna sound terrible, cheap clothes. And I can explain that, you know, I went through a phase where I'm like, I'm gonna buy fewer things, but they're gonna be nicer. It's gonna be great, you know, I can invest in stuff and keep it forever. I wound up, you know, I spill stuff on things. I snag things. I had like moths eat a bunch of my sweaters. I was like, all right. I went onto Amazon. I bought like four t-shirts for $20 each. <laughs> and I'm like, if they fall apart, it doesn't matter. It's not the end of the world. So um, I was, a. Uh, I think there's definitely a place for nicer clothes. And I encourage people to think about doing that. Fewer pieces, nicer, invest in them. But some stages of life, it just doesn't work. So here's to <laughs> here's to the twenty dollars shirt that you do not really care about. How about you? What's uh What are you enjoying right now? So this might sound a little odd, but I'm going to say television. Oh, um, okay. And specifically shows that we can watch together as a family. So currently, we are watching Ted Lasso season three mm -hmm. and. A wonderful show about the Philadelphia public school system, Abbott Elementary. It's just nice to have something that comes out once a week that we look forward to that all of us actually want to watch instead of the inane, like early childhood drivel that used to be played on our screens. So I'm really enjoying part of this phase with teens and tweens is finding things that they enjoy that we actually enjoy as well. So yeah. Well, I'm curious about, you know, being a pu Philadelphia public school parent, what, what you do think of Abbott Elementary. So I honestly think it is very accurate. I mean, obviously, <laughs> there's things that are exaggerated for comedic effect, but the way the teachers are so caring and so invested in their job and their students, like, rings 100% true to our experience. And so I actually love that that show is on television. <laughs> And it's showing a different side of what people usually think of as just a terrible place. Yeah. I know you guys have been thrilled with your your school. Are they able to keep in that through to the end? I mean, you're you're good through high school? Oh, we're in a K through eight. So okay. the boys are both there right now for middle school, but we are going to be in the throes of the high school application process about six months from now. So 
I am not sure how that's going to go. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure there's other urban parents out there that you can learn from yeah, <laughs> who've, sure. who've been through the One process. Step at a time. <laughs> One step at a time. Exactly. Well, Rachna, thank you so much for joining us. And we really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you. Well, we are back. Uh, I just was interviewing Dr. Rachna Shah about her work, her family, her adventures, life in general. We have a question from a listener who says, I recently moved to a new city and I'm generally introverted, but I still want local friends. So what is the best way for cultivating adult friendships? So Sarah, you've moved in recent years and and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you did? I mean, the first thing I would say is patience, because every time I move, I think that I'm going to like instantly be able to replicate my same group of friends in like six months. And in my experience, it does take years. It probably took even longer with my latest move because we moved in 2019 and 2021 and 2020 were a little tougher for making friends. People didn't want to like invest their risk in people they didn't know, I guess, as much. But now it's obviously much better. So, I mean, the things that have worked for me are... I mean, sometimes I just like try to stray. If a parent just seems interesting, maybe by like, I mean, this is so superficial, but like one of their clothing choices, perhaps like just strikes my, then I'll ask them about it and like try to strike up a conversation and maybe even try to suggest some kind of low stakes hang like, oh, do you want to take a walk during this gymnastics class? Because I hate just sitting here and we're not, you know, doing anything. That would be a nice low stakes way. And if the worst case scenario, it's a boring conversation, then at least you got some movement in. I will say running has been such a great way of making friends over the years. And I am like so happy because I haven't had running friends for a long time. And now I have running friends again. And the funny thing about running friends is, at least in my experience, like when you make one, they may already have some. And then all of a sudden, like you have a group and you had none before. So that's been great. I started a book club because I wanted to join a book club and there wasn't one in my neighborhood. I know that might not be every introvert's favorite thing to do, but at least you could find out if there are already groups in place, either for books or supper or whatever, because then you wouldn't even have to do much work except show up. And then finally, I'll say post to our Patreon because um, there's been quite the social explosion happening recently, including like live meetups being born. So if nothing else fails, you should join us on Patreon and maybe you'll find someone in your city. Yeah, exactly. But online communities in general, if you have a very specialized sort of trusting online community, you might ask around and see if people are relatively local to you. And you know, you already have something in common because you're part of this, whatever community it is, our our Patreon community being a great one, but there are many out there. And, you know, if somebody lives 30 minutes from you, it might be worth meeting up, right? If you're trying to cultivate that relationship with somebody who you already know has a lot in common with you. But yeah, I mean, it's, I would be say patience as well, because you don't need that many close friends. I mean, maybe some people are just total social butterflies, but it sounds like this listener really isn't. You know, I don't think she's really going to want to handle more than like four or five. I think four or five would be great if she felt like she had four or five people she was relatively close to. And if you sort of give yourself a pace of making a new one who could be part of that four to five every six months, even maybe four to six months to take that, I mean, that's going to take you two years. So, but if you have that as your goal, like, I am going to find a new friend in the next six months. Like probably you can start with a couple people who seem, you know, relatively cool and see if any of them, there's sort of a connection, a little bit more chemistry. You want to do a little bit more with them, get together a little bit more frequently. And, you know, over a couple months that can happen. I mean, it's sort of like 
dating, although you didn't don't then keep adding to it, I guess. <laughs> goal with the dating kind of narrow completely down to one, not so much with friendship, but but the same mindset of trying lots of different people and seeing if there's a bit of a connection there. Sounds good. And if all else fails, join lots of online. Oh, and you know what I'll say? Sometimes texting is less scary. So mm-hmm. kind of like with dating, get their digits. <laughs> and then like you could always send them a meme or something and test the waters. And then sometimes it's just easier to get things started off that way. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. I was interviewing Dr. Rachna Shah about all things you know, related to being a physician, being a mother of older kids now, all that she does with her families, her hobbies. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.